everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. How are y'all doing today? Good! I am glad someone is very excited. Me too! (laughs) My name is Emily, and I'm one of the pastors here at Discovery Church. I'm so happy to see all of you today, and those of you who are online. um, I think it's going to be a fun time. I just want to let you know that. It's going to be so great. I think you believe me. It'll be so good. All right, so um, the last few weeks, we've been going through a metaphor um, that one of the authors who wrote a big chunk of the Bible has talked about multiple times. So this guy named Paul, he compares a human body to the church itself. So he uses this Roman metaphor, right, that is designed to define power and social structure, and he spins it on its head and uses it to put people who really, truly think too highly of themselves to put them in their place. And he also uses it to catch the attention of those who may not have understood their self-worth or significance before. And he tells each follower of Christ that they're organs, basically, and that they're also fingers and toes and biceps and elbows and noses and ears, vital components of one body, and that they all serve a purpose, especially when they support each other and work together, and especially, especially especially when they recognize that the system that they are a part of, that they're in unity with, this system is the God they worship. So this is week four of our series talking about the body. And truly, these past few weeks have got me pondering about who we are as a church body. And when I say that, I recognize it sounds a little weird coming out of my mouth. I am not trying to assign body parts to each person. I'm not thinking about, like, Cody being the armpit or, (laughs) like, someone else being the elbow. That's not what I'm thinking. Um, That would be a little weird. But I guess in a way I kind of am doing this because I think of us, the church, as a body. We're all together here in this room and online. I think that's really cool. And this means that we all have value to what Discovery Church can bring to the table in Broomfield, Colorado, and beyond, That means that we can all contribute something. That means that we are all needed and that we all should be known by each other. That means that that we're significant. Has anyone ever told you that you were significant before? So there's an age demographic that I truly believe is significant. I think young people are the greatest, that they're so valuable and necessary for the health and well-being of everyone. And this past week, we had the honor of having, hosting a group of young people in our church basement. They spent the night, several nights actually, and many, many of you played a part in that by donating food so that they could be fed well while they were here with us. This group of young people, we've actually got a picture of them. They're from Lincoln, Nebraska. They're a bunch of good-looking folks. They're from an organization called City Impact. And now almost all of these, they're all middle schoolers, almost all of these middle school kids are leaders in their own community. They're growing into being strong influencers, and they had a handful of caring adults showing them and affirming them of how significant they were. This group, they went to Red Rocks, Garden of the Gods. They had a great time. It was the first time that a lot of them had seen mountains before. 
And they met with some nonprofits around Denver, and they also prayed together, and they ate together. And in the short time that they were here staying in our basement for the week, I don't know, I felt like I was part of the body in that moment. Like, I didn't know many of their names. I had never met any of these people before, but they had welcomed me in while I was showing them where the bathroom was. And while I was giving them bagels and cereal and eating with them, I felt like I was part of the body of Christ. And now if body parts could talk, I think that they would know each other's names. And there's no chance that I was able to get the names of all of these kids and adults in like three days' time. That would be very impressive. But so that you can help, um, so I can help you feel that you are a part of this group of middle schoolers and adults as well, I want to introduce you to one of them. Her name is Gigi. So I want to get this name in your head, okay? When I say Gigi, I would like you to repeat the name Gigi. So it is Im ingrained in your brain forever, okay? Gigi. Gigi. We're going to pretend like we're at a football game. Okay, ready? When I say Gigi, you say Gigi. 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 One more time. Gigi. Good job. What's that name? Oh, I'm so proud of you. All right. So when you think of the name Gigi, <laughs> well done. Um, a couple days from now, or a few hours from now, or 10 years from now, when you hear this name Gigi, say a quick prayer for City Impact, and for her, and for the volunteers who are leading these kids to understand their significance. That's how to be a part of the body of God. Remember your fellow parts, like Gigi. <laughs> You're on fire today. All right, I'll tell you about Gigi now. She is an adult leader, and she is so talented at braiding hair, and all of the girls on the trip loved her. They went to her every night, every morning to get their hair braided. And Gigi, she actually wants to open up a dance studio as a ministry to God so that she can help people who love dance and love um, motion and movement so that she can help them worship God through what they're passionate about. That's so cool. Now, Gigi... She not only loves to dance, but she also loves to pray. And I got to see it live and in person. And when she prays to God, it's like everyone's ears tune in a little bit more closely than they normally do. And everybody is involved in her prayer. She taught me how she prays, and I think it's pretty sick. So we're going to watch it together right now. Go. Yes. I was out in the world, and I heard about Jesus, and I turned but I didn't move. Then he greeted me with the holy kiss. The more I learned about him, I gave my life to him, and now I turn everything over to the Lord. So again, it's out, in, kiss, close, turn it towards your face, turn it over to the Lord in prayer. Five, six, seven, two times. I think some of you see where this is going. I think you do. So this is how Gigi prays in front of kids. Like they, it wasn't just a one-time thing. It is all the time. And they love it. But the reason behind why she does this is found in her description of her dance moves. So she says this, she says, I was out in the world and I heard about Jesus and I turned, but I didn't move. 
Then he greeted me with a holy kiss, and the more I learned about him, I gave my life to him, and now I turn everything over to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> How cool is that? You totally know where we're going. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, I'm so excited because today we are going to learn how to pray like Gigi. Yes, yes. And I have physical evidence on how to pray like she did and the City Impact Kids. And I've shown you this physical evidence, okay? And normally when I ask for audience participation, I don't force people to do what I want because I recognize that we are all different and that we have different comfortabilities. But I feel like since prayer is involved this time, you kind of have to try it sound good? Yeah, okay. So we're going to pray for Gigi and the City Impact group together. We're going to go through the motions a couple of times so you kind of get it down. I will, um, I'm excited because I get to share my love of beatboxing, so I'm kind of fulfilling a dream of mine. <laughs> um, but we're going to practice. Are you ready? Everybody's hands up. I am so excited for this. Okay, everybody's hands up. I was out in the world, and I heard about Jesus, and I turned, <laughs> this is really cool to watch, but I didn't move, and then he greeted me with a holy kiss, and I t uh, the more I learned about him, I gave my life to him, and now I turn everything over to the Lord. That last move is a little tricky. Yes, yep, you got that. You can do whatever you'd like with that. <laughs> All right, we're going to practice one more time, okay? I was out in the world, and I heard about Jesus, and I turned, but didn't move, then he greeted me with a holy kiss. The more I learned about him, I gave my life to him, and now I turn everything over to the Lord in prayer. So we're going to pray for Gigi and City Impact right now. Five, six, seven, eight. It went way better for service. I was <laughs> I made eye contact. It was bad. <laughs> All right. We're gonna try it one more time. Ready? Five, six. I'm gonna close my eyes so I don't look at you. Five, six, seven, eight. All right. Good job. Okay, we're going to actually pray for Gigi. Father, I thank you so much for um, the love that you have for us and for us to be able to learn from Gigi and to be part of the body of Christ with her. And I thank you for this opportunity where we can learn how to pray in a different style than probably most of us have ever prayed before. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. I pray for this City Impact group um, and that you would show them how significant they are and how they can make an impact on um, their community. We love you. We praise you. Amen. See, when we do things like that, as something as simple as praying for somebody and praying like somebody, we can feel more connected to the body of Christ as a whole community. And I think that's really cool. So thank you for playing along with that. I'm so happy. So, showed you Gigi's prayer. I want to show you something else um, that really interested me. It's called the Human Library, okay? So it started in Denmark, and now it's a worldwide organization. And it's not a human library with, like, carcasses or, like, body memberments or anything like that. It's a human library with live humans, like they're just in a library together. And you check out human books. 
So it's a bunch of these volunteers and they want to share their story and their experiences with people. And students and whoever comes into these libraries are able to check out human books and they have their stories based on specific themes and specific parts of their life that they want to share. And I um, heard about this from a friend and I looked at their website and I thought that it was so amazing. I wanted to share it with you as well. So here's what the deal is. We're going to have these human books, their picture on the screen. And I want you to think about how you might interact with this person. So for every human book, they have a quote from the actual human themselves and why they publish this book, what some stereotypes and prejudices are, and a fact about this person or the theme that they have their book on. Does that make sense? So we've got about probably five or six that we're going to go through. And um, what I would like you to do is look at their picture, see how you might react to them after hearing their story and before. All right, the first human book that we're going to check out today is a body modification human book. So this is what he looks like. We don't know his name, we just know his face. And this is what he says. He says, I am not someone to be afraid of, and I fully understand that my look can be overwhelming to some people. But then, don't be shy. Come on over and ask me. I am not going to bite. Why they published this human book, they said, they said to see a person with extreme body modifications on the street is steadily becoming more and more common in big cities. The lifestyle has a firm grip in its community members, and to someone on the outside, it can seem very extreme. A stereotype and a prejudice of this human book is ideas about criminal and gang-related activities, masochism, devil worship, and issues with mental illness. A fact about this is their most commonly asked questions are, why do you do it? When did it start? Does it hurt to look like that? Are you into devil worship? What do your parents say? And are children afraid of you? The next human book is on traumatic brain injury. And this man says, being allowed to explain what the world looks like through my eyes helps me feel better understood, and I feel my readers benefit from the, from the talk despite my speech impediment. And they published this book because living with brain damage or traumatic brain injury can put many constraints on those affected. Having the opportunity to explain yourself and communicate how brain damage affects the conditions for your life is something more and more declare themselves prepared to do. We feel it's important that these voices also be heard. And some stereotypes of brain damage and traumatic brain injuries is that it's not uncommon that people relate brain damage to being damaged goods. But many people suffering from brain damage live a very full life with the challenges. Being brain damaged is also often referred to as a vegetative state or as a reference for low intelligence. Most common is the assumption that people with brain damage are helpless and not able to take care or provide for themselves. And then a fact is that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that at least 5.3 million Americans currently have a long-term or lifelong need for help to perform activities of daily living as a result of traumatic brain image, in damage. So we're going to take a couple of seconds. Just think about the faces that you've seen so far. 
what your assumptions of them might be, and if you connect to them on your own, with your own story. This next human book is a woman who is HIV positive. She says, some people think it is dangerous to be near or to touch me. Some people avoid me just to avoid being confronted with the disease. I think nothing bad about them, but it is a part of the reason why I kept it a secret for many years. When people are afraid to get close to me, it hurts more than the disease ever did. And they published this human book because understanding how the virus affects people's lives is key to dismantling the prejudices about the infected. Our books share their experiences to help readers better understand that it is not dangerous to work, touch, or kiss someone who is HIV positive. And some stereotypes and prejudices of these books are due to widespread stigma and prejudices. Many people who are living with HIV keep it a secret from coworkers, friends, and even close family members. These misunderstandings create difficult conditions for those with HIV. Other prejudices are related to the events that led to infection, treatment possibilities, and ethical issues, such as participating in a contact sport with people who are HIV positive. And then the fact. The HIV positive title was first published in the year 2000 at the original Human Library event, and it was a host topic from day one. And two decades later, the HIV title is still a topic engulfed in stigma and stereotypes, with more than 35 million people living with HIV. Now, if you're looking at these pictures and you're getting tired of me talking about people who you might not know personally, that's kind of the point of this exercise. We've got a few more. And now I would like you to think about how do you connect to this person? How might you have similar qualities as this person? The next human book is Unemployment. This guy says, being unemployed does nothing good for your self-esteem. But when politicians start talking about us being lazy and not willing to work, then it gets my blood pumping. There's nothing I would not do to find a real job, but the least they can do is show us some respect and treat us with just a little dignity. They published this book because unemployment is something that can happen to any one of us, and it's a very serious problem for large groups of people around the world. In many societies, there's a strong social stigma attached to people who are unemployed. The stigma comes in many shapes and sizes, and it is one that most of us at some point in our life have to endure. The most common stereotypes about the unemployed include that they do not want to work, that they're only looking to collect welfare and intend to fringe on society. The fact about this human book is that there is ample reason to sit down with this title and ask freely from your heart what's going on. This next book is someone who has autism. And he says, I find it very difficult to find love and to build relations. I wish more people would give me a bigger chance and not be so fast to cut relations. I often wonder how much the autism is part of that and just wish one day I could find a girl. They published this book because tens of millions of people have autism or ASD, which is autism spectrum disorder, as it is now more commonly referred to. And most common stereotypes include references to the movie Rain Man and have special, having special abilities. Others are about unpredictable behavior, outbursts, and lack of social competencies. 
And then the fact about this one is take this book off the shelf for the opportunity to talk with a person for whom it is not always easy to meet new people. But know that our book volunteered to meet you and is looking forward to answering any questions you might have about a life with autism. We've got two more books. This next book is a soldier who suffers from PTSD. He says, when I shipped out to go to Afghanistan, I had never imagined that my biggest battle would be one I now have to fight every day, a battle for my sanity. Imagine going off to war and not knowing if you will ever come back and see your loved ones again. Imagine having to fight in real combat with enemies dedicated to ending your life, and so you must fight to end theirs or lose your own. This is the reality of the soldier, and that is why many of them come back with PTSD. Prejudices about soldiers include theories on their motives for signing up, bloodthirstiness, that they are violent prone, and talk about living out childhood fantasies of combat scenarios from the computer game in real life. The fact about this is taking out the soldier is a wonderful opportunity to ask, to find out why or how, and what life as a soldier entails. And lastly, this human book is one who had been molested. He says, people don't like to think about it, even less want to talk about it, and it makes it very difficult for those who have been molested. They published this human book because in every society, there are issues that we do not like to talk about, things that happen around us to people we know and sometimes to us, but we keep quiet. It hurts too much, and the shame that many victims feel makes it even more unpleasant. We publish because we need to talk about this. Victims of child abusers carry a very heavy stigma. It is one that can best be explained by the victims themselves. And then the fact about this book is that it is not uncommon that readers approach this title to talk privately about their own personal experiences. One reader traveled 60 miles to take out this title. So you might be wondering, okay, Emily, show me a bunch of people who I don't know, and their stories are interesting, and it developed some sort of feeling inside of me, and she even made me dance pray. But where's the Bible in all of this? What am I supposed to learn today? Why am I supposed to be here? And I'll tell you what I want all of us to talk about. I'll tell you what the purpose of this four-week series of being the body of Christ is. It's for a better understanding of what the body of Christ is. It's real people. And real people are messy. Real people have been given messy things to deal with that they had no control over. Real people have given messy things to other people. Real people are scared and anxious and don't know what to do many times. Real people aren't perfect. Real people aren't messy, but we are real people. And that's something that us as the body of church, you and me in this room together and online, whether you're a believer or not, you are part of us. It's your job to be with the mess. It's your job to welcome people. If you think of a metaphor of a human body, you can't disconnect from your body parts unless you want to get sawn in half. Sawed? Sawed. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, you can't disconnect from them. With real people, with a real body, each body member, joint, muscle is important. It serves a purpose. 
each human, each one of you, you all serve a purpose, and I do too. Has anyone ever told you that you are significant? Have you ever told anyone that they're significant? And Paul talks about this in the passages that we've been looking at over these last four weeks. He says it pretty clearly, and I don't feel like I need to explain it any longer. We're going to read, reread, what we've already been looking at. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. Paul says, You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, and organs, and cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you are still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. And now each of us, Paul says, is now a part of this resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, they are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I don't know about you, but even the human books have labels on them. So you might have looked at these people, and when I said someone who is HIV positive or someone who is unemployed, someone who has a traumatic brain injury, you might have developed this thing in your head as a preconceived notion of who this person might be. But labels aren't always correct. Like if you look at an expiration date and it says that your cheese is expired tomorrow, but it's still perfectly fine, they're liars. <laughs> they're just trying to get you to buy more cheese. Labels aren't always correct. And I think it's important for me to check myself because when I looked at this human library, when I found the dance that Gigi was teaching me, I already had these judgments in my head of, oh, that's too silly. Oh, that, this person, they kind of deserved that. Or, oh, I relate to this person, but they could have done some things in their lives that would make their lives better, but they just chose not to. That's a problem. I don't think the human body, these body parts that we have, judge each other or question each other when they all do different things to make up one whole body. So how about us? If you were sitting here looking at these pictures of these human books and you related to them, it's almost as if you have finally felt seen or heard or noticed, thank you. And I apologize to people who have not listened to you before. If you are someone who maybe had a fresh perspective today, thank you for being open for that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 19 through 24, he says, but I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. 
For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. But what we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I thought that was really funny. This translation is the best. Without comparison, dignity, honor, without comparison. Who's somebody that you need to give that to? And who's somebody that you might need to receive that from? I know for me, I have many people who I need to apologize to or repent, repent to God, probably both, honestly. <laughs> We're just, I'm just going to be serious about it. Um, to apologize for judging them when I didn't know them. Because now I understand that as a body, as a body of Christ, we are all a part of the same thing. And my significance and your significance, we have similar significance in God. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Who is somebody that you need to give dignity and honor without comparison? Who is someone that you might need to receive that from? And in this series, we talk about being in the body of Christ and how we can be a better body with each other. You have so many options to do that. You can mentor a kid. We've got so many programs where you can be a part of someone's life and tell them that they are significant. You can do so many things in your neighborhood, in your city, in your workplace here to help people feel that significance that God has given each and every one of us and to receive that as well. I want to invite the band up but before we um, start singing again, we've been on this kick of having an initiative where we text an um, I'm in to a number. And we're trying to find out who is committed to having a next step of faith, such as mentoring a child or um, serving somewhere where you might not have served before. And if you would like to do this, please get out your phone. You have permission. It's okay. You can do it. Text I-M-I-N to this number, and you'll receive opportunities where you'll be able to serve other people, where you'll be able to get involved, where you'll be able to see what it means to be a part of the body in a better and more significant way. I want to invite everyone to stand with me, if you're able to. And as you're standing or sitting, whatever, I want you to think about this word significance. 
Oftentimes, I pray with my palms open like this. It's a receiving posture. You can if you would like to. And it's a reminder for me to let go of the anxiety that I have, the feelings of insignificance that I have. And trust me, I'm preaching about significance right now, but I'm preaching to myself too. There are so many times, I don't know about you, where I feel like my decisions in life, what I do on a daily basis might not matter that much. And sometimes I make other people feel that. And so this is a time for all of us to repent and also to ask for more. Has anyone told you that you are significant? Have you ever told someone that they were? God, I thank you. I thank you that you have given us this opportunity to be a part of something way bigger than ourselves. Whether we feel deserving or not, whether we feel significant or insignificant in this moment, God, I thank you that you've chosen us to be a part of this body together. No matter what we've done, no matter what's been done to us, whether we believe in you fully and we have no doubts or whether we doubt every single day and we don't know what to do. God, there's a place for us here. And for us, may we repent of the times where we have judged someone, where we have thought of ourselves better than someone else. And may we also give our feelings of insignificance to you that won't take them away. But God, we know that you can walk through that feeling with us and that you can help us understand that those feelings aren't true. God, as we become the body of Christ together, may you help us understand how to be better parts, how to be better members. And may you help us take a step in vulnerability and actually be seen by other people. God, if we're going through this step of faith, if we are following you for the rest of our lives, we have to do it together. Thank you for making us one body. We love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen.